Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much this morning. Lord, we bless you. We thank you today. Oh, Father, we are so, so thankful, so excited about your move in our midst, Lord, your work. Those things that you have already set in motion, we are so thankful. Father, for your mighty hands upon our lives, we're so thankful. Thank you for your promises that would never fall to the ground. Thank you for fulfilling every word that you have spoken concerning us. We receive your move, precious Holy Spirit, your ordination, your pre-plan, pre-arrangements. We are totally yielded to you. None of us but all of you. All of you. You are the one who has been into tomorrow long before we will arrive there. You know what is there. You know what is there. And sometimes I know we, we are clueless. We have no idea. But you have been there. And our, our hands hold on to your everlasting arms today. Father, we stand strong on your holy word. You have given us an invitation that we should come. <laughs> what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, what has not yet entered into the heart of man, you want to do. You said, come, just come. And Lord, you said, as far, just like you told Abraham, as far as your eyes can see, we are the only limit that exists to your move. We are the only ones that can limit what you can do. You are not limited in yourself. You said to Abraham, as far as your eyes can see. As far as your eyes can see. Whatever you can behold and whatever you can believe, you can receive. You can enter into. And Father, as we go through this foundational season in this year, that's, that's our yieldedness to you. We want to go as far. We want to rise as high as you have ordained to take us. No limits. No limits. The ability to spread out in destiny the ability to be elevated, the ability to walk upon our high places, to believe for the unbelievable, to imagine the unimaginable, to lay hold on what people have never even thought was possible. Lord, that's our commitment. That's our determination. In our generation, in our times, God to be different. To be a worthy representation of you. To be different. To be different. To be different. Because Lord, we are born of the seed of God himself. We are extraordinary. We are supernatural. That's who we are. We are in the God class. Your word says, ye are gods and you are the children of the most high. Lord, so we are no ordinary people. 
that is our commitment to enter into what you have prepared. Lord, that you will do things in our lives that will cause the ears of men to tingle. That's our determination. That's our decision. We receive grace for it. We receive all the help we need for it. We thank you, our God. We bless and we magnify your holy name. You alone deserve the glory. You deserve the praise. So receive it to yourself, O God. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And everybody said a living amen. Amen. Come on, let's shout a living amen together. Hallelujah. Amen. I want us to take our 2024 confessions just before you sit down, please, if you don't mind. Thank you so much for being with us in this service. I know that we are all enjoying the fast. I believe we are. Amen. I said amen. Amen. It's just awesome. It's just awesome the work that our ministers, our pastors are doing, leading us in the mornings and those devotions. And um, each of those devotions are so powerful. They're just so powerful, so tangible, so full of life. Amen. Amen. I like the one for this morning. I know we didn't have, I like the one for yesterday. It is written. I like the one for this morning. If you didn't do it, make sure you do it before the end of today. Strategy for victory. How many people did that already? Strategy for victory. I love it. I love that. I love that. Strategy for victory. To be able to enter into, like God, the responsibility is not God's. The responsibility is ours to be able to enter into the things that the Lord has prepared, the things that the Lord has ordained. Amen. Amen. Strategy for victory, and I love the, the things it enumerated there, the steps, things we have to do. You have to know your vulnerabilities, know those doors and shut them. Don't let the enemy take advantage of you. Amen. Amen. Don't let the enemy take advantage of you in any area of life. Hmm? As you identify those doors, you shut them, and you keep them shut. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And I know many times when people think about doors, they are thinking of some big things. Sometimes doors are very little things. Like if you look in, I think it's Ephesians 4.27, where the Bible says, you know, don't even give the enemy, don't even give him a little inch. Is it, what's Ephesians 4, what is that? Don't give him a, a, a foothold or whatever that, whatever that scripture says. Like, it can, it's, it, all he needs is a little crack, right? All he needs is a little crack. And he, he knows you so well. He knows us so well. So what we have to commit to do is to make sure that those doors are shut. Amen? Amen. And that we are walking in authority and dominion. Amen. We are continuing to establish the counsel of Almighty God in our lives. Sometimes our doors are just, you know, a carelessness. Sometimes just being careless. Sometimes not paying attention. Those can be doors. Sometimes taking things for granted, like, yeah, I I know it, when you don't. Walking in presumption, like the children of Israel said one time to Moses, we want to go, we want to go, we want to go. And Moses said, no, you you can't go. God, God It wasn't wrong for them to go, but what God wanted them to do was to go at a, point, at a point that he appointed, they refused to go. And then when God changed his mind about their going, now they say, now we want to go. 
I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Sometimes doors can be stubbornness. Stubbornness. You know, people just say, I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what anybody, have you heard that before? I don't care what anybody says, I'm going to do it my way. That's, your, that's a door right there. Shut those doors. Hmm? Shut those doors. Don't let the enemy take advantage of you. Sometimes it's our temper. We just have a short fuse. Hmm? Sometimes it's self-focus, selfishness, self-centeredness. You have to be the center. If you are not the center, you are not happy. Those are doors. And God isn't going to shut our doors. We have to shut them. He's given us responsibility. The responsibility is yours. Somebody say with me, the responsibility is mine. Amen. Let's take our 2024 confession together. Two, three, go. 2024 is my year of God-class exploit and the year of the fourth man. I am God's offspring, and in him I live and move and have my being. I am no ordinary or natural person. I am a supernatural, extraordinary being, born of the seed of God himself. I have the seed of God in me. I produce after God's kind, and I overcome the world. I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. I am the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I represent Jesus. I speak for Jesus. I stand for Jesus. I reign with Jesus. The fourth man will be with me in the fire. What happens to ordinary people may happen to me, but I will have supernatural outcomes. The fourth man has made me a god to the natural elements of this world. Situations ordinary people cannot survive will become my stepping stones to glory testimonies. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The king's shout is within me. And the lion's roar is rolling out of me. I raise the roof with my praise. I cry out and shout for joy. The greatest one lives here. I am feeding and reigning at a higher level. I have spiritual jurisdiction here. I take authority over this peace. Be still in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. For the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. This is my year of covenant release. I am under cover. No satanic plan against me. No divination against my household will ever prevail. In due season, and even now, the world will proclaim what wonders God has done for them. I am shielded and protected from every misfortune. I am undercover. The evil viper released into the world in these last days will not touch me. I am undercover. I am inoculated and vaccinated with a booster shot of the covenant. I am undercover. 
I am prospered, protected, and preserved in the ark. I am under cover. I shake the viper into the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I am under cover in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 2024 is my year of uncommon provision. I am blessed in all things. Jehovah Jireh will see to it. I am finding favor in unexpected places. And I see the ram caught in a thicket. The barrel of meal shall not waste and the cruise of oil shall not fail until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. God is sending rain on my field and there shall be showers of blessings. I am one with God and I possess what God possesses. I have the spirit of adoption. He is my father and I am a joint heir with Christ. I have real estate in heaven and I have real estate on the earth. I lift my hand up to El Elyon, the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. My God has made me rich. This will be a year of broken boundaries and unlimited reach. The boundaries are broken and the limits are off. See, God has given me the cities and the walls of Jericho are falling. Hallelujah. Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things, everything is possible. I prophesy over you today. Your dwellings are lovely and your homes are beautiful. You will spread out like rivers, like gardens by a river, like sweet smelling aloes that the Lord himself planted and like strong cedar trees by the waters. You will pour water out of your own buckets and have your own channels of rich blessing and plenty. Your offspring will dwell by many waters and your life and legacy will be exalted and established. The God who brought you out of captivity has the strength of a wild bull and it will destroy your adversaries and crush their bones. You are like a lion who couches in rest after winning the victory and who dares disturb you. Blessed of the Lord is anyone who blesses you and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 2024 is my year of God class exploits. And this is the year of the fourth man in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Somebody say, I receive it. All of it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Please go ahead and be seated. As we lay the foundation for a new year and a new season. Every new year God gives to us. Every new season is a gift. It's a precious opportunity to turn the page. To walk with God like you never have before. In different areas of our lives, to experience God like we never have experienced Him before. Hallelujah. Every new year, every new season is an opportunity to step into an area that you have never experienced before. Your past, your past should not be a stronghold, should not hold you down. But having said all of that, and having received the promise of God, at the end of the day, the responsibility is yours. How much God can do in every life is the responsibility 
of those individuals. I want to talk to you a little bit from my heart this morning. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 17 in the Amplified. That's where Joshua, um, uh, the spies, said unto this woman, Rahab the harlot. What did they say to her in the Amplified? The responsibility is now yours. The responsibility is now yours. There is no excuse. Somebody has to be willing in every family to take responsibility for hearing the voice of God. There is no excuse. Somebody, every life, somebody has to be willing to take responsibility for knowing the direction that God is given. There is no excuse. There is no excuse. Each person has to be willing to take responsibility for whatever the Lord has promised them and how they work it out. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. The responsibility is now yours. The first thing that we have to do is to know and secure the promises of God. You and I shouldn't go from January all the way to April and May and June. And the enemy is still playing games with us where the promises of God are concerned. I mean, these things should be so well secured in our heart that we know that we know that we know that God will do what God has said. There is no doubt about it. And periodically, we should look at the complexion and we should look at the the status of our lives, the status of our families, the status of our ministries, the status of our vision, and we should be able to tell definitely that, yes, we we are on course, we are making progress. We shouldn't look back and where things are exactly the same way they were when we opened in January 1st. That, that, that would not be acceptable. Amen. Amen. We must be willing at every point, as we go, as we keep walking with the Lord, we, there must be landmarks. There must be starting with our spiritual lives. How close are you to the Lord now compared to January 1st? Are you closer? Are you hearing him better? Amen. Is his voice clearer to you? Are you more disciplined in the way you present yourself to God and in the way you carry out his instructions? Hallelujah. Is your fellowship with the Holy Spirit, is it stronger? Hmm? We shouldn't go through this year. It looks like people are really cold, right? Are you guys cold? Is it cold in here? We should probably turn off this fan. I don't need that fan. Can we turn off this fan, please? I don't need that fan. Is if you guys are cold, you should just raise that, raise that thermostat because I'm, I'm cool. Hallelujah. You know, you, you, shouldn't, you, you shouldn't go, you, you, you go as far as, you know, in two months, three months, four months, five months, and you look back and everything is just the same. That would be unacceptable. Amen. That would be totally unacceptable. Let's start with our spiritual lives. 
and then go on to the other areas of our lives. And we can't say, oh God, you made the promise, now God, you, you fulfill it. God is committed. The responsibility is now yours, mine. I want to take a few minutes, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, read particular scriptures like this before ever, but maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But I want to take you on a little journey, and I want us to read scriptures that are not usually under commonplace. People don't talk about these kind of things that often. But I want to, uh, I started out last Sunday, the Holy Spirit had me do that, um, talking about uh, this woman who was a harlot called Rahab. And I don't know if anybody sitting in here or anybody online, anybody who's listening to this message at any point in time, I don't know if you have ever done any kind of study on the woman, the harlot, called Rahab. That's why I said I don't think it's a very commonplace thing because people don't, these are not the kind of things we focus on generally. But I want to read just a few scriptures today. Uh, And I want to focus on this woman. This woman who was totally separate and totally just had no place in the covenant of God. No place. She reminds me very much of the woman in the New Testament who came to the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that woman whose daughter was sick? Came to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, heal my daughter. And, and Jesus responded and said, oh, no, I, it's, this healing is bread for the covenant children. You are not in the covenant, so this is not really for you. And what did the woman do? She, she got offended and developed an attitude and walked away. Is that what she did? No. What did she do? That woman, that woman pressed her way into the covenant. What that woman received that day was not written concerning her. She wrote it. That woman's daughter rising out of that sickness and being made whole was not written. It was not a pre-plan. Yeah, God plans everything, plans good. God, but the responsibility is now yours. If that woman had heard the Lord Jesus Christ and what the Lord Jesus Christ has said, and the woman had walked away in anger or offended, like that's so, that's so mean, that's so uncaring and it's so unkind. I just told you, my, my daughter, lying at the point of death, at the very least, the, the least you could do as a true servant of God is show some empathy. And, I, and at, at least comfort me a little bit. No, she didn't have any of that. What did she do? She made up her mind. I want it. God doesn't mind me getting it. And I'm going to get it. And even if God minds me getting it, I'm willing to stand here and have a conversation with him. Because this is the life of my daughter at stake. I have no foreign attitude. 
I have no negative feelings. I'm not offended. I am not angry with God. I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to walk away here full of malice like I'll never talk to God again. I just want the well-being of my daughter. So, so Rahab really does remind me of that woman. That woman even compared herself to a dog. She said to the Lord Jesus Christ, she said, oh, okay. She said, but remember that, you know, sometimes crumbs of this bread that is for covenant children, they fall from the table and the dogs that are sitting under the table, they get these crumbs. So I don't mind the crumbs. I just want bread. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord was so touched. The Lord was so moved by the tenacity and the understanding and the grace of this woman that the Lord said, the Lord said, I have never seen so much faith. That is amongst all the so-called children that the covenant was for, he had never seen so much faith. That woman could not be denied. If you will take your place with God, child of God, you will not be denied. It does not matter what it is. You will not be denied. You will not be denied. However, the responsibility is whose? Is now yours. The responsibility is, re- responsibility is whose? It's now yours. Let's think about this woman, Rahab, a harlot. Let's, let's read from Joshua chapter 2, from verse 8. Joshua chapter 2 and from verse 8. Let's read to verse 13. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. He's talking about the spies. Joshua sent spies. If you back up to Joshua chapter 2 verse 1. Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and they came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. She was a harlot and they were strangers. And she could have tried to do business with them. She could have said, how much are you going to pay? But she recognized something. She, re- in, she recognized the moment of covenant. She recognized there's something about this woman. There's something about this woman. She recognized the moment. Look, everywhere the Bible talks about this woman, apart from in in Matthew, you read all some of these scriptures with me this morning before I close. Everywhere she is referred to as the harlot Rahab. It was her name, that was her identity. The harlot Rahab. Rahab the harlot. The harlot Rahab. Rahab the harlot. But, She recognized a moment 
of godliness. She recognized a moment of God, God, God infiltrating her space. She recognized a moment. And she took advantage of that opportunity. She took the spies in verse 4. The Bible says the woman took the two men and hid them. Kept them up in her loft, in her attic. She recognized something. Do you know, wherever you are, whatever your story is, whether you are super spiritual, whether you are unspiritual, or anything in between, there are moments that God sends into every life. There are moments. There are moments. There are moments. One of the reasons most people don't ever encounter change is because they live and sleep through those moments that God sends to them. A moment like in this service, like in this service this morning, God is speaking to somebody. There's no doubt about it in my mind. He's having me preach about a harlot who became a central figure in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. To tell somebody that your background does not matter, whatever you have experienced in your life up until now does not count. You know, one of the deepest one of the deepest pains that I have as a pastor, a minister of God, a servant of God, an apostolic figure is to see how dead spiritually some people can be. How so tuned out of God. Have you noticed that, I don't know, you may have some of these people in your circle of relationship, friends and family, sometimes people that are close to you. No matter what happens, year after year, they are exactly the same. And they don't believe that people can change. They themselves never change. And they are very suspicious of people who claim to change. Does anybody have people like this in their families? Or is it just me? I have them in my family. And I know many of them. I pastored many of them for many years. Like, we get so used to religion that change becomes foreign to us. In a moment when the Holy Spirit is doing something. How many people remember the story of the man in John chapter 5? This, whether it was a paralytic, whatever it was, it had been there for, I think, 38 years. And, and Jesus came to this man and... and, and the Bible says periodically an angel will stir the water and, and whoever jumped into the water first, something happened to them. And Jesus came to this woman. How many people have read this story before? Oh, sorry, this man. And, and said, would you, do you, would you be healed? Would you be made whole? He said, he said, Lord, you know, every time somebody stares, somebody jumps before me. I'm too, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm unable, I don't have anyone to help me. He, you know, he was so, he had this long list of excuses. And right here, standing by this man, 
is Jesus who can change his life forever. In this moment. But he can't recognize it. How many ministers have I met who go year to year exactly the same? Their lives are like this. There's no change. They may have a tiny little spark somewhere. Spark. A little spark. And then they are right back. I mean, you can go wide all the way. Go all the way 15 years and look at how they were. And look at how they used to reason, how they used to think, how they used to act, how they used to behave, how they used to talk. 15 years ago, and look at where they are today. They have been loaded with 15 years of word, 15 years of heavenly visitation, 15 years of fasting and prayer, 15 years of so many things. And yet their lives are exactly the same they were 15 years. It's one of the greatest frustrations. It's one of the greatest frustrations in the kingdom of God. All people just generally hear the word of God all the time. But don't have room to say, wait, maybe I should do something differently with this word. Maybe I should believe God for something different this year. And then begin to take steps that are different. And you see them, like what they did in December 30 is very different from what they are doing on, on January 14. And you have to wonder what's happening to you. And they say, I really can't explain it too much to you, but I made a decision. I want to go somewhere different with God. Yes. How many people know that when you see things like that, it's so exciting? Yes. Yes. It's so exciting. God is looking for people like this. Yes. It's so exciting. That's the kind of person this Rahab was. She said, I just, I recognize the moment there's something going on and I want in on this covenant. Look at it in Joshua chapter 2. Let's read verse 8. And before they were laid down, the two men, the two spies that she put in her attic, in her roof, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. How did she know that? How did she know that? There were thousands of people living in the land of Jericho. How come one person amongst all these thousands of people believed and knew that something was about to happen? She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land. My friends, this is a moment of destiny. <laughs> oh, my friends. Heaven is calling. God is saying, who? Who's going to go with me? Let's go. Let's go. Who's going to go? Who's going to go? Who's willing to believe? Who's willing to come? Let's go. The interesting thing about it is the cities where we are sitting down are about to be burnt down. And we don't know it. And God is saying, it's like, like uh, uh, who were these people God came and rescued? The angels came and rescued uh, Lot and his family. That place is about to catch up on fire. The whole thing is about to be burnt down. 
and they had no idea. And the angel said, let's go, let's go. And I said, you know, they were dilly-dallying, they were, you know, because they had this strong attachment to where they were coming from. In fact, eventually when they all left, you know, Lot's wife had so many businesses in that place. Like she like, like, you know, I, I don't know. Like where are we even going? Where are we even going? There's no certainty. There's no assurance. There's no guarantee. And you want me to leave the familiar. These are a lot of believers are. You want me to leave the familiar. You say sometimes to some people, let's step into a new walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, that means you must be willing to lay down the pound of flesh. You must be willing to open your heart. You must be willing to identify um, just areas of your life that can be a limit to the move of the Holy Spirit. And you know, many times where we are coming from, the voices are so loud. Sometimes it is very unpopular to do the will of God. Hear me. Sometimes it is very unpopular. It is, it is you know, it feels comfortable to be around people who accept you. It feels very comfortable, you know, like you don't want to seem so weird. You don't want to be seem so out there. But God is looking for some out there people. And let me tell you, until you are actually willing to become out there, until you are willing to go all the way with the Holy Spirit, open up your life, open up every aspect of you, and say, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do with me, I'm not holding anything back. I give it all. I give it all. You can invade my life. You can invade my privacy. You can invade my habits. You can invade my preferences. Lord, I give it all to you. I'm not protecting anything. I'm not shielding anything. Here I am, Lord. I'm free falling in your hands. Do with me whatever you choose to do. My friends, when you come to a place like that in your life, you are ready for a new horizon. You are ready for, for the newness of God in your life. Sometimes we just wanna, we want to, we're comfortable. You know, we want to identify. We even know people who, who gain. They gain. They go, they go, they gain. The anointing, the grace of the Holy Spirit, the power of God upon their lives. But you know, they have this weight behind them. And you know, it's like they are out there. They don't want to be so different, right? So let's find a common ground. I don't want to be so weird all the time. I don't want to be so weird all the time. Let's, let's get together. My friends, every one of us should be able to recognize when there is a moment of godliness. There's something going on. I say it, I've said it before, you know, when I was raising our, when we were raising our children, I used to say, you know, everything, everything is not play. And sometimes we just want to play about everything. You know, if, if there's no moment of seriousness, we're happy. If there's a moment of seriousness, we kind of feel like, no, but that's too hard. No. Life, you have, to, there are moments, there are destiny moments. And everything is serious in that moment. And you may be trapped in that moment and you don't. It's like last Sunday, I think I heard myself, I was sad, everybody was leaving. I stood at the pulpit and I said, I don't want to leave here. That's just... There's just a Shekinah glory of God around this pulpit last Sunday. And I didn't want to leave. It was a moment. 
It really was a moment. But do you know how people just pass by this? How they just, you know, sing about it and play about it and they're right on to the next fun. No, life is not all about fun. There are certain things God wants to do in your life. You may not be laughing through it. It may not seem like comedy. It may be deeply challenging to everything within you. It's a serious, godly moment of destiny. And all the Lord is looking for, Lord, here I am. Do whatever you want to do with me. Let's go back here. Let's go back here. He said, this is Rahab. She said, I know, this is verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. See, she was not the only one who heard these stories, but she was the only one who paid attention to it. Oh, hear me, child of God. She was not the only one who heard these stories, but she was the only one who paid attention to it. And because she paid attention to it, when the spies entered into Jericho, listen, Joshua didn't say to them, go and look for the house of a harlot called Rahab. He never gave them such an instruction. But their path was directed to the house of Rahab. Because something in the house of Rahab was a magnet to the presence of God. Something in her house was a magnet to the presence of God. Sometimes people say, I wonder why did God do that for that person? Why didn't he do it for this one? Why did God go there? Why didn't he go there? There's something. There's something. There's something God is looking for. And he doesn't make mistakes. We have heard, she said, verse 10. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt. And what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites. That were on the other side of Jordan. Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, watch this now. This is a heathen woman. This is a woman who has no connection to the covenant. Listen to what this woman says. She says, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Now therefore, verse 12, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord since I have showed you kindness that you also will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true sign and that you will save alive oh God you will save alive my father listen she had a long list she had a long list She believed so much in the power of this God of Israel that she did not even have a covenant with. But she believed so much in the power of this God of Israel that she had a long list prepared. Save me. Save my father. Save my mother. Save every member of my household. Isn't this what we call prayer? I said, isn't this what we call prayer? She came with a prayer of faith. And yet she was a harlot. And swear unto me. Give me a sign. Look at verse 14. 
This was that moment. And the man answered her, our life for your life. If you will not disclose this our business, if you will keep this secret, then it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Oh God. Oh God. When the Lord fulfills his promise, we will be good to you. We will be good to your family. And then what did she do next? She secured the promise. She let them down by a cord through her window. For her house was upon the town hall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, get you to this. She gave them directions. And they responded in verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which you did let us down by. And you will bring your father and your mother and your brethren and all your father's household home unto you. They gave her conditions for the promise to be fulfilled. In verse 18, the Bible says in the Amplified, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall bind this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall bring your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household into your house. Help me say this, Holy Spirit. Help me say this, Holy Spirit. Let me say this, Holy Spirit. Our desire, our strong desire to belong. Our strong desire. To belong to what is familiar. Our strong desire, strong yearning to not seem so strange all the time. is costing us more than we know. When God calls a priest. When God calls one out of many. God calls them to be in the forefront. God calls them to spearhead. God calls them to lead. God calls them to show others the way. The Bible says when the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the pit. There's so many people in the body of Christ who should know better. They should know better. Over the years, God has entrusted them with great value, spiritual value. But a longing to belong. We don't want to seem so weird. We don't want to seem so out there. We don't want to seem like, you know, yeah, we, I, know, I know we used to do this like 30 years ago. But, you know, I mean, you know, come on. The society is kind of different now. You know, the society is different now. We, we can't, you know, we, we have to identify. God has placed certain graces and authorities upon some of his children. And they will not go. Because they want to belong. And that is costing us. There are fathers that are perishing because some people will not take authority. There are mothers that are being lost because some people will not take their place. There are brothers and sisters and there are households and there are all sorts of people in communities that are losing out because somebody is too afraid to stand on the word of God and take their place. They said unto her, you shall bind this color. Help me preach this, Holy Spirit. Please help me. 
You shall bind this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall bring your, listen to this. You shall bring your father. She didn't say beg them. She didn't say ask them. She didn't say cajole them. She didn't say negotiate with them. What did, she, what did he say? You shall bring them. You shall bring them. I don't know if you understand this. A number of months are going to transpire. A number of weeks are going to transpire. It could have been years. And this harlot is supposed to be telling the members of her household that some God is going to save them. This foreign God is going to save them, a God they don't know. And they are all supposed to stay in the house. They are all supposed to stay within the boundaries that that God has given them. That's the only way they will be saved. The Lord said to them, you will bring them. He didn't say you will negotiate with them. You will bring them. And everyone that is within your four walls, when I visit, will be saved. What a woman. What a woman. Say with me, the responsibility is now mine. You will bring your mother and your father, your brothers and all your father's household into your house. Listen in verse 19. And if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be what? Upon his head. And we will be guiltless. But if a handmaid, if there's a hand laid upon anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be upon our head. That is anybody conforms to these conditions of the promise... And they end up not inheriting the promise. We are guilty. And if you tell this business of ours. We will be guiltless. Of this oath. I want you to see what this harlot woman said. In verse 24. Verse 21. And she said. Let's read this from the Amplified. And she said. According to your words. So it is. According to your words, so it is. And then what did she do next? She sent them away and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord in the window. I want you to think about this. She took that scarlet cord. The same day that the spies left. She took the scarlet cord. I know you've seen some pictures where it's like red or crimson or something. You know, some, sometimes it depicts the blood of people. Sometimes want to, you know, create a connection. It's fine, whatever color. The important thing is that scarlet cord. From that moment, when she received the promise, that scarlet cord hung down from her window until the day that salvation came. She secured that promise. She didn't get up one day and say, I don't even like the way this looks on my wall, on my window. It's not, I don't like the aesthetics of it. Maybe instead of using a scarlet cord, maybe we should use something else that is really nice to the eyes. Oh no. She secured the promise. She secured the promise. 
in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. I think that thing is too high. I don't know where you said it at. I'm just kind of sweating up a bunch now. Forgive me. Um, I'm sorry. I'm a sweater, so. <clears throat> Look at Joshua chapter 6. Let's read from verse 20. Do you guys have a little bit more time? Yes? Oh, you you in a hurry to go? I release you in just a few minutes here. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpet. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass and the, with the edge of the sword. I want you to look at verse 22. But Joshua said unto the two men that are spied out the country, go into the harlot's house. I want you to know, if God ever gives you a word, No matter what happens, God will fulfill his word. If God ever, you, something that I have to remind him, maybe he has forgotten. Maybe, you know, I don't know, he slept. If no, the Bible says he will never, ever forget. If God gives you a word, God will fulfill his word. Sometimes people get in the flesh. And they mess up God's plan. While God is working on the plan, they create an Ishmael. It's taking too long, Lord. When is this Isaac going to come? Lord, did you forget the promise? Did you forget what you said? They create an Ishmael. And so many believers, watch out for this now. This is a big door for so many believers. The door of the flesh. The door of the mind. Trying to cook up things. Trying to stir up things. That make sense. It doesn't make sense. To just wait for this God. It doesn't make sense. To just all stay in this house. And say we will all be delivered. Maybe we ought to go somewhere on the street so that they can see us. But that was not the instruction. The instruction was everybody was supposed to stay in the house. There's so many lives and so many families and so many homes being driven by the failures of the carnal mind. People thinking of stuff and cooking up things. It doesn't make sense to just wait. In the house, when the whole city is burning down, maybe we ought to help God a little bit. Maybe we ought to go out to the street so that they can see us. You know, the way God walks, he sees from heaven. And if we are outside, it will be easier for him to see us than when we are inside, inside this house. And the only thing they can see is this scarlet on the outside. Maybe they made a mistake when they gave you that instruction. Maybe we ought to go outside. And people get into this fleshly, 
carnal things that make sense to them but destroy the plans of God. If God made you a promise, God will fulfill that promise. Joshua said unto the two men, spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, bring out that woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that they had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them outside the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver, the gold, the vessels of brass and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Look at verse 24, verse 25. And Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot, alive. Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot, alive. And her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwells in Israel, even unto this day. Because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. The word that God spoke was fulfilled in the life of that woman. Look at Hebrews quickly. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 30. 30 and 31. It says, by faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Verse 31. By faith, Halot, the Halot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spice with peace. By faith, the harlot Rahab. Look at Matthew chapter 1. That's not all faith did for her. That's not all the covenant did for her. Look at Matthew chapter 1. If you can put that up for me, please put that up in the Amplified. Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Salmon, the father of Boaz, Whose mother was Rahab? Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of King David. King David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been the wife of Uriah. By her faith and by taking responsibility of the promise and securing it, by standing firm and walking her way into this covenant, Rahab became the great-great-grandmother of King David. Who was Rahab's son? Rahab's son was a young man called 
Boaz. Boaz was the most influential man in his time. A man of covenant. A man that the Bible describes as the kinsman redeemer for Ruth and Naomi. Boaz was raised by Rahab. Boaz had so much wealth. I want you to just quickly look at how God, how the Bible describes Boaz. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ruth and chapter, chapter 2. Let's read this in the Amplified. From verse 1. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Naomi said to her, go my daughter. And Ruth went and gleaned in a field after the reapers. And she happened to stop at the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech, but was the son of Rahab the harlot. I'm adding that for you now. He was the son of Rahab the harlot. Boaz was the son of Rahab the harlot. Boaz was not just a wealthy man. Boaz was a man of great covenant. Boaz was a man of great integrity. Boaz was a man of great love. Boaz was a man of great clarity. Clarity. He was a man of great compassion. Verse 3, Ruth went and gleaned in a field after the reapers. And she happened to stop at the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech, the son of Rahab. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, 
who was set over the reapers. Whose maiden is this? Talking about Ruth. You know whose mother, whose son Boaz was, who was his mother, was a stranger. Boaz's mother was a stranger. When Boaz was saved, excuse me, when Rahab was saved in the land of Jericho, she was a stranger to the nation and the covenant of Israel. Ruth was like Rahab. They were both foreigners. Open your ears. Open your spiritual ears. I know some of you, I'm losing you already now because you're like, it's tw- it's, I'm, not stop- I'm not closing. I'm about to, I'm going somewhere. I'm not stopping yet. I want to be mean this afternoon to feed you. The- I want to force feed you the word. I'm not stopping. Don't, don't be in a hurry. I'll stop in about 10 minutes. But I just, I want you to get this because I see there's a lot of, yeah, I understand the children, but you see, I'm not looking at them. But if children are are fidgety, adults, come on. Adults, you should be calm. Sometimes children get fidgety and adults get more fidgety than children. The children are not sick. They are just bored. Right? But they are bored. They will soon get excited. When we close out, we start jumping up. Then they will start jumping too. The children don't direct the service. Do children direct service? They don't direct the service. We direct the service and then the children follow us. I know in some of your families, the children direct everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, children, you guys are good. We'll soon be closing, okay? But get something here. The Holy Spirit is force-feeding you something here, too. Ruth was like Rahab. Boaz had the clarity of godliness to recognize this woman that was like his mother. But there's a reason Boaz had that clarity. Her mother was a harlot, but her mother did not, excuse me, his mother was a harlot, but his mother did not raise him like a harlot. His mother raised him in the covenant. There's something God is trying to say to you here. His mother Rahab was a harlot. But Rahab, first of all, at the beginning, took hold of the promise of the God of heaven. She bought into this promise. She fully integrated into that promise. Then Rahab 
The Bible says, by faith, in Hebrews 11, walked her way into the covenant. She was a stranger. Originally a stranger. She had no entitlement to that covenant. She had no right in it. She had no place in it. It was never written anywhere. But by faith, she walked her way into the covenant. And she got a place in the covenant that was so significant that God arranged that the greatest king in the story of Israel will come through her. And the greatest king in the, in the history of the world, Jesus Christ, will come through her. She walked her way into the covenant. Because she walked her way into the covenant, God arranged stuff to see to it that her place was an immortal place. That's why I'm preaching about her today. Because she has an immortal place in the scheme of the kingdom of God. I know some of you are getting bored already, but what I'm, what I'm, what I'm ministering to you right now will, will, will wake up. It will stir up sometime later on this year, and it will do something for you. It will do something for you. This is a moment. It all began, it all began with Rahab recognizing that moment. When she integrated into the covenant... Somehow, she met this man called Salmon. Israelites were not allowed to marry foreigners. But Rahab had so totally integrated into the covenant of the God of Israel that when Salmon took Rahab home to his parents, to introduce her, they said, okay, we, okay, we approve. She so bought into the covenant. She so bought into the covenant. She became one with the people of God. It's moments of destiny. Moments of destiny. Where the trajectory of a life can be totally and radically changed. Totally and radically changed. Moments of destiny. They still happen today. I don't care how much religion you have heard. I don't care where you've preached. I don't know who preached to you. I don't know. The, but moments of destiny still happen today. They still happen today. Moments of destiny. When Rahab raised Boaz, her son. She told him stories about her life. She raised him and told him about Jehovah God. See, she herself fully bought into the covenant. And when she raised her son, Boaz, her son Boaz did not become a crazy teenager. God is talking to somebody here. She raised that boy so strong in the covenant. Come on, 
that that boy did not lose his way. There are people who tell me, oh, pastor, you just don't understand the way it is in this world of today. It's very difficult. No, you don't know what you are talking about. You do not know what you are talking about. When you are that deeply integrated into that covenant, my friend, you say, oh, you know, you know, children nowadays, you know, young people is all video games. Is all, uh, you know, that's the only thing that entertains them. If you ask them to go outside and play and build a castle and, uh, you know, they'll be bored. They, they may not know what to do with themselves. It's all, be, you know, you have to keep them engaged, keep them. There's the TV that teaches them. No, the TV did not teach Boaz's son, uh, Rahab's son. It was Rahab herself who taught her son. She taught her son. She said, listen, this is the way of the God of covenant. This is the way the God of covenant works. This is the way the God of covenant thinks. This is the way the God of covenant acts. She raised up that boy. And she raised up that boy. When he became a young man, he became a prosperous young man. He became so wealthy. He became so wealthy. Listen. And when he became so wealthy, he didn't go gambling. Because she told him. The way of the covenant, it is God first. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added unto you. Listen, and she didn't just preach it in a sermon. She lived it. She acted it. Every step she took, the covenant was clear. Do you know, there is not much told us about Salmon. We don't know anything else about salmon. Other than the, the name sounds like fish. There's some sort of fish that is very delicious. That's the only thing we remember. It. But Rahab, Rahab, what a woman. What a woman of destiny. When they went to church, salmon slept in church. But Rahab, Rahab took the word. Oh, she said the word. She took the word. Then she went back home. Then she sat with the word. Then she studied the word. Then she meditated the word. Then she spoke the word. Then she acted on the word. And then when situations came up and they needed to deal with situations in the family and someone said, well, my mind is telling me that this may be the best way to go. Rahab said, honey, stop. We are going to go the way of the Lord. Because as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And little Boaz was sitting down there at the dining table. Watching and listening to everything. Finally, it dawned on Boaz. Oh, my mother. She may have started out as a harlot. But she fully bought into the covenant of the God of Israel. My mother is truly saved. My mother is truly genuine. My mother believes in this covenant. It's not just words. It's not just songs. My mother believes in this covenant. Many parents tell me, say, you know the way you keep young people engaged? Yeah, you have to keep them engaged. It's video games. Sit down. I'm going to close in a minute. It's video games, you know. You know how, you know, boys can get fidgety. And, you know, girls, you know, sometimes they get bored. 
You have to give them anything they want. Make them happy all the time. Make them happy all the time. That's not how the covenant told us to raise them. That's not how the covenant told us to raise them. The covenant told us to teach a child in the way that he ought to go. And then when he grows up, he will not depart from it. Listen, I have a little caveat for you. Sometimes they, they veer off the path. Sometimes they slide off the path. The pressures of the world are huge. Sometimes they miss it. Sometimes they go off a tangent. Sometimes they lose their way. They lose their focus. But there's something you put in them. There's something you put in them. That seed will keep calling their name. That seed will keep speaking the word. That seed will keep staring the covenant. Listen, what is... What is the value of what I'm trying to say to you today? I'm trying to tell you, nothing just happens. Nothing. There are no coincidences on earth. There are no coincidences in the spirit. There are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. God wants to do something amazing through you. But it has to start. There has to be a moment of destiny. Where did, where did Rahab's life turn around? She heard about the God of Israel. And she said, I want in on what that God has. I want in on who that God is. And she bought into the covenant. She bought into the covenant. Let me close right here. Let me close right here. Hallelujah. In every area of your life. In every area. Let me read it right out of my notes to you. So that you know. This was deeply thought through. This was deeply meditated. This was deeply studied. But it has also been deeply lived. I'm not preaching to you some theory. I'm not preaching to you something that sounds good. I'm preaching to you the word of the Lord that I have handled, that I have experienced, and that I've demonstrated in my own life. Listen to this very clearly. How far do you really want to go with God? It's so easy many times for people to say, if God would just do it, if God would just do this, if God would just do that, if God would just do this, God's giving you his word. The responsibility is now yours. How far do you really want to go with God? I know how hard the times are. I used to have a young man who was in college. He just started college. He, he came out here. He came here from, from one of the South African nations. He's a very prominent young man that many of us know. Some of us who were here back then know very well. He was a young man who um, the Lord really had a great work in, done in his life. And, and God really helped him. I remember one day he came into my office and he was crying. He was in college. And he said to me, Pastor, it's so hard. 
It's so hard to serve God. It's so hard to be right. It's so hard to be godly. See, the whole entire campus, I don't even know another Christian like me. They make a ridicule of me all the time. It's so hard. I want to do right. I want to do right. I want to serve God. I want to be pleasing to God. But pastor, it's so hard. It's so hard. I feel all alone. I feel all alone. I called him by his name. I said, listen to me. You are not the first one. And you will not be the last one. I said, all over this world, there's so many believers in the minority in different places where they are. God planted you there because he wanted to use you to manifest his glory. Don't look around you. Stop. Don't worry about how many people believe what you believe. Just keep on walking. That's what I told him. James, just keep on walking. No matter how hard it gets, just keep on walking. No matter how difficult it is, just keep on walking. Pick yourself up every day. Pick yourself up every day. Stay with the covenant. Stay with the covenant. Stand on the word. Go with what you believe. Just keep on walking. Your moments of destiny. Like a moment like this this beginning of this new year will define the rest of your life. Your past will be your past. Your past has no power over your future. What God will do in your future is entirely determined by what you do in this moment of destiny. I want to challenge everyone under the sound of my voice. As I close, how far do you really want to go with God? There are some people, ministers, pastors, bishops, apostles, Christians all over the body of Christ, who feel we have gotten to the height. I don't know where else to go. Oh, my friends, there's so much room out there. There's so much room out there. God has so much more. God has so much more. The question is, how far do you really want to go with God? As far as you want to go with God is as far as God will take you. Excuses. Looking around you at those that are not doing as well. Sometimes we feel like we're just like, you know, I mean, where, I mean who, who's, 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 who can be compared with us? You look around you. Who is, doing, who is doing half of what you are doing? It's like, hallelujah, we give ourselves a little pat on the back. And then we get stuck. Because there's so much more that God wants to do. Rahab determined she really wanted to go very far. And God took her 
from being a prostitute to being in the genealogy of Christ. She wanted everything that God had for her. How about you today? This responsibility is yours. Perhaps this is a moment of destiny for somebody. Perhaps as we get into this new week of this fast, perhaps you can ask yourself that question. How much farther do I want to go with God? Am I just really satisfied with where I am? Is this all there is to my experience of godliness? I'm not talking about what you do. I'm talking about who you are. Rahab began with who she was. It wasn't what she did. It was who she was. Am I just really satisfied with being this way? Or is there more in God for me? And where is that? How do I get there? How do I take advantage of this season of destiny? A time of waiting on the Lord. To map my way there. How do I get there? How do I go there? Am I just satisfied with having a title? I'm a minister. I'm a deacon, deaconess, pastor, preacher, apostle, reverend, bishop. Am I just satisfied with this? Or is there more that God has for me? Is there a place where I have never been in my walk with God where I can go? And we can all look around us. And we can be sure that whatever God does in our lives affects our communities and our families. As you go higher, the tension rises in your family. Everybody has to go. And if some don't want to go, there's that healthy tension. The healthy tension is healthy for your family life. Because the the line is drawn. There's only one way to go. Joshua said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. We're not going back. We're going forward. We're not staying where we have been. We're rising higher. We're not satisfied with this status quo. We want more. We want more of God. We want more of God. Would you stand to your feet with me? Make this the cry of your heart if you have it. If you don't have it, that's okay. Just do whatever is good. But if you have this cry in your heart, and let's go together. You're never too old and you're never too young. Boaz was a young man when he learned the covenant. Everything he did with Ruth 
from walking in integrity to showing her compassion and mercy to making a way and becoming a con connection to her future was done because of the covenant and the realization and understanding that he had in his heart. You're never too young. People tell me, you know, in this, you know, in this generation, young people don't read the Bible. Says who? Says who? They say, you know, the only thing that keeps them excited is just video games. You have to buy and buy and buy video games. And says who? Oh, you have to do these things, you know, these things, you know, that some of their peers, you know, do every, so they can feel like they belong. Who says who? Who made that? Who made that rule? Who made that rule? Who created that rule? Who said it had to be that way? If you are one of those trying to conform, you don't want to be too out there. I want you to know that the salvation and deliverance of a whole generation of people is in your hands. God is counting on you. You may be the only gospel that the world around you hears. You may be the only gospel that the world around you sees. To be a child of covenant is to spread the love of Jesus, the sweet aroma of the Lord everywhere you go. It's to not know so much, it's not to know so much of the word of God that, that we become a misfit when it comes to being a blessing to the world around us. No, it's, it's to spread the sweet-smelling aroma of Jesus. It's to be so in tune with God that lives are blessed by us and lives are changed by us. And God can manifest His glory in your life. God can actually manifest his glory in your life. So let me hear you pray as we close out. Go on. You talk to the Father today. Lord, the only thing at stake in my life is your glory. I just want to be an instrument of your glory in my life, in my family, in my generation. That's it. I just want to be everything that you ordained my life to become. I'm not really looking for fame. I'm not looking for uh, whatever else the world is searching for. Father, I just desire to be an instrument of your glory. Lord, I want to be an instrument of your glory. That is the cry, the deep craving of my heart is to be an instrument of your glory. Help me, Lord, to be a worthy representation of you in all that I do, everywhere that I go. 
Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing. Help me walk so intimately with you. Help me walk so intimately with you. Help me become everything that you ordained my life to become. In this season, let there be moments of destiny like Rahab had in her season. Radical change for the glory of God. Radical change for the glory of God. Whether it's popular or unpopular, Lord, I just want to be an instrument in your hands for your glory. Whether people believe in it or not, Lord, I just want to be an instrument in your hands for your glory. To have more of you. More of you. More of you, Lord. I bless your holy name. I bless your holy name. Lord, I pray for these precious people who have heard your word today. Every single word that has been spoken, that you instructed, be spoken in this service. Lord, the Bible says that your word will never return to you void. It will never return to you void. Let your word anchor the lives of your precious people today. Radical change for your glory, Father. That we even begin to see it. That we even begin to see it as we go forward. Even, Lord, as people in the community of God, that we look at one another and we just see these changes. We just see these glorious changes. And we just know there is something going on in each of our lives. There's something created, initiated, orchestrated by the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Lord, I thank you so much. I bless you so much for the liberty that you gave us in this service. Thank you for the liberty, the prophetic unction that you released here on this pulpit today. Thank you, Father God, for piercing the darkness, piercing through the darkness in lives and families into the future God as we go into the future we haven't been there but you have passed through the darkness and launched us into that good future you have planned for us thank you father for chains that are broken Lord thank you for the eyes of your people that you open today help them see and recognize the deception of the devil to not buy into his lies to not buy into his lies to not accept the fallacy coming from the world that says it ought to be one way or the other. When you said it should be a different way. Thank you. Thank you. And Lord, out of this congregation, raise many more Rahabs. Raise many more Boazes. Raise many more Davids. Raise many more Roots. Raise many more Jesuses. And many more in the generation of the Savior. 
And Father, even amongst us, pastors, preachers of your word, priests who stand behind your pulpit, who oftentimes are confronted, Lord, with the frustration of not knowing how to go further up, how to go forward, where we feel this pressure to just stagnate and be comfortable. Let this word anchor our souls today. Let it pull us in directions of spirituality and godliness. Let it fill us, Father, with greater grace than we have ever known. So much more compassion and love. So much more desire for the things of God. Burning fire and passion in our spirits. When we feel like we've hit a wall and we don't know what to do next and we don't know where to go next, Lord, let your word pierce through the darkness and propel us into the things of godliness. We don't ever want to be the same again. We don't ever want to be the same again. Higher and higher and higher and higher. That's what we want. So much more of you. Your tangible presence. Lord, regardless, even when we're living our natural lives, just to feel you so strong, to know you, you're with us, God, to be in tune, in lockstep with you, to be spiritual people, supernatural people, extraordinary people, people in God class. That's what our hearts yearn for. for signs and for wonders even in this generation you are for signs and for wonders God will reflect his glory through you God will do great things through you through you through you through you through you thank you Lord we give you praise oh God you praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Come on, somebody help me bless the name of the Lord. Help me bless the name of the Lord. Help me bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 